Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Sensational, the special educational needs podcast, which is brought to you by Witherslack Group in partnership with the ADHD Foundation Neurodiversity Charity. So for any new listeners, our podcast is all about celebrating neurodiversity and empowering families with knowledge, advice and support. My name is Claire, I'm the events manager for With a Slack Group and I'll be hosting today's session which is a little bit of an extra special one because this session will focus on um, offering and sharing support for the winter or Christmas break and it's part of our seasonal support pack which we've put together to offer advice to families for over the school holidays in December. There may be some Christmas themes included in today's session but there will also be a lot of other things around changes to routine, managing family occasions and also you know about finding fun and activities for the holidays that work specifically for your family and your children so hopefully lots of things that will be useful to everyone so now I'm thrilled to welcome to the podcast two exceptional speakers from the ADHD Foundation Neurodiversity Charity and they are Emma Weaver, Deputy CEO and Colin Foley, Training Director as I say they're both from the ADHD Foundation which is a fantastic charity that provides a huge range of services and offers advice and support to parents, carers and professionals across the country. So now I've given a little bit of an introduction there, but perhaps you guys can say a little bit about yourselves and your work. I'm going to go to Colin first this time because Emma, you're a little bit of a podcast regular and I do feel like our listeners are probably getting to know you quite well now. Um, So over to you, Colin, to begin with. Hi Claire, glad to see you Uh, and thank you very much for uh, for asking us as ever to contribute to this podcast. Emma and I are very excited (laughs) uh, about doing that, talking about uh, winter breaks and uh, Christmas. Um, So hi everybody, my name is Colin Foley, I'm the training director, that means that I lead the training team, it is my great honour to do that and I create and develop and deliver training courses on a whole range of subjects related to neurodiversity for a whole range of uh, audiences. And I just want to say this before we start, really, that it's a very, very exciting time. Um, I know that some of you might be listening to this and be quite concerned about your son or daughter at the moment, and especially them at school. Uh, But just if I can give you some cheer at this time of year, um, in in the sense that there are many, many businesses and companies and organisations all over the UK and abroad who are really beginning to embrace the idea of neurodiversity but interestingly really beginning to get interested in the positive qualities and skills that your son or daughter has or might have or might develop in the future because of their neurodiversity so please don't despair everybody the world is changing for your child at the moment. That's fantastic, Colin. Thank you. Over to you, Emma, now to say a few words. Great. Hi, Claire. Hi, Colin. It's really lovely to be back on the podcast. Podcasts, they're my favourite. <laughs> I love them. I think what's great about the podcast is it's an opportunity, particularly today, thinking about um, change, about routines, yeah. about structures and how when Christmas happens for lots of our children and families that we support, Christmas can bring lots of wonderful times, but also can bring challenges yeah. because of the nature of Christmas and the changes that happen. So today, it's re- we're, I'm really looking forward to talking and exploring some ideas, uh, some ways that we can support our children and young people, but also ways that we can really enjoy the Christmas yeah, period definitely. and the break. 
um, ultimately it's a lovely time for families to be together and it's just about finding the right strategies that work for you and work for your children to make it um, as, as positive experience as it can be so I'm really looking forward to taking part in today's podcast. Fab, thanks Emma um, that's great, we'll, we'll move on to our questions now, before we get started I just want to say it's wonderful that we're looking at support for the December holidays I think one thing that we should like consider or look at uh, before we move on to our questions is how extremely busy the term is before the children actually you know even break up for the holidays in many schools there might be a steady flow of activities relating to Christmas there might be some children who are taking mocks or preparing for their mocks or having assessments um, and just plus the general excitement of that sort of Christmas holidays thrown into the mix. Everyone's a little bit giddy um, by the time they get to the end of, end of term. And, you know, that's a lot for any adult to deal with, um, let alone children. So quite rightly, when the children and young people break up from school in December, they are all really, really tired, aren't they, at the end of that term? And so perhaps a good starting point might be to look at how can families help their children to, you know, decompress after this busy period? Um, so can you any, offer any strategies to help tackle changes to routine and decompress, which we know can be so important to many neurodiverse families? I think, I, I mean, I love the build up to Christmas and I was a, a teacher for 25 years and I can absolutely um, recognise what you've just said, Claire, is that you'll be so busy and not just the yeah. uh, exams work that you've mentioned there, but also the Christmas plays and concerts and pantomimes. Yeah, um, my diary is teacher, filled so. up already. <laughs> well, I was that I was that drama teacher doing those shows and then you get to the end <laughs> of term and suddenly you hadn't really planned anything. So it's, oh, oh, right, it's Christmas now. And now I've got to be yeah. all, do everything that I've got to do at Christmas and do, you know, see all the people and do all of those things. Yes, and yeah, so of course. I, I would say to say to families absolutely is is just plan and this year Christmas is late so we've got another challenge there is that um, yeah. I think schools are going right through aren't they and schools in the UK are going right through till kind of the 22nd or you know 21st maybe yeah. when they're finishing so it's to think now it's to think about a bit of a plan it is about maybe that when we break when we fed school finally finishes that we don't rush into activity and yeah. that we maybe have just spend a couple of days I know there isn't much but there's the you know there's that there's the 23rd maybe Christmas Eve is just to spend a couple of days at home relaxing and um, the taking the time with your child to talk through what's coming up whatever that is whatever those plans are but also to look at the the holiday in its entirety and think you know well we we might be very very social and there might be lots of change to the routine might be lots of different people over you know that yeah. christmas day and boxing day but after that it's absolutely fine isn't it to say we're not going to go out for the yeah. next couple of days we're not going to visit anybody else we're just going to spend a couple of days as a family relaxing maybe you know i've getting the duvet on the sofa and there's no better job, time to do that sort christmas of thing films. isn't there that sort of in between Christmas and New Year period is so nice to be if you can just take that time to just rest for a bit and also, I think with, with teenagers as well, is thinking, well, when do I give my son or daughter time to be on their own? Yeah. You know, t teenagers will want to get away from their parents yeah. Yeah. Uh, and their younger siblings. They will, that's part of adolescence. So it's, it's where is the time for them to be on their own or to be obviously with their friends if that's what they choose to do? 
Yeah, and something, Colin, when you were talking about that t- kind of um, downtime, that taking a few days before the kind of mad rush of, of Christmas starts, um, I overheard, and it was in a school that I was at not that long ago, who was referring to soft landings and explaining how a soft landing is like a, a slow transition, a soft landing into something that we know then that there's then going to be an expectation of something that happens. And I really liked yeah. that as a kind of way of thinking about transitions, changing from that busy, routine, structured um, kind of school experience. I was only in a school yesterday. It, I got to the school after school. It was four o'clock start. I was providing some training in a primary school and they were rehearsing for their nativity. So it was the year five and year six children and they were after school all stood up on the stage rehearsing for for the nativity that was coming up in the next few weeks they're really long days for children um on top of this is the term and i don't know whether you saw it colin in your experience as a teacher as well everyone seems to get the bugs and things at this time of year as well so people are often battling long dark days and lots of sicky bugs and and children not being 100 percent as well so i think those soft landings into um the christmas period is really important just taking time to look after yourself really yeah. a bit of downtime I worked with one family and just shutting the door shutting the door and being like right so we're gonna have a couple of days just doing nice things at home uh, reduce the stress reduce some of that sensory input that's happening and just allow for some quiet time before before those busy times start yeah and not worrying about the clock all the time that's what I think is like constantly looking right got to be here for this time got the kid and for the kids as well got to be to this club at this time and just have that that time to not have to rush everywhere so um so important i think a couple of friends of mine who um who are lovely parents and they've got three children and they always spend uh, around this time to sitting their children down and saying if you could imagine your favorite time with the family over the christmas period what would it be for each of you and they make sure that they put that into place but the rule is that, is that it's just that. with the family it's not with anybody else yes yeah I love that. I might take that one home. Okay, so as I've already said, there can be a lot happening in December and throughout the school holidays. Um, we often hear from families who find December or the Christmas period to be a fairly challenging time. It can also be a time where families feel isolated or lonely. So I guess where I'm going with this next question is I hope to highlight that, you know, they aren't alone and there will be families facing similar issues to them. Um, so what do you see as being the most sort of the common challenges or worries that families of neurodiverse children and young people come across at this time of the year? I think a big word for me at this time of year that always sits with me in, in, in everything, whether it's environmental, whether it's to do with your routines, um, is change. Yeah. In December, there is I seem to use the word change so much more at this time of year than in the other time of the year because often um, not only do our routines change and our structures, but also our environments look totally different. I worked with with um, a child who, as, uh, as soon as December started, a big Christmas tree went up in the corner of the classroom, and then later yeah. in on into the into the December, the big Christmas tree went up at home. When you go, I was. At, Cheshire Oaks which isn't too far from Liverpool and they've got a massive big Christmas tree and this brightly coloured wonderful Ferris wheel Uh, but actually the whole environment looks different and for lots of children with neurodevelopmental conditions and lots of families they're often juggling that change Um, and it's often a a conversation that we have a lot is how do we deal with the change 
uh, not only in the things that we're seeing, but also in the things that we're doing as well. And this is where I suppose preparation for that change is really important. If you know uh, that, you know, when you know your Christmas tree is going up at home, just making sure that there's a bit of forewarning, yeah. a child knows that that's going to happen. If you're going to be going somewhere that you visit regularly and you know that next time you go, there's going to be a whacking big Christmas tree that's with flashing lights and making all sorts of noises. Having images of those, if you can find them before you go, um, it's I suppose it's about preparing them for those changes because a lot does change at this time of year. And involving yeah, your children as well in, in those processes. So um, I remember growing up, um, we weren't allowed near the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree was my mum's. My mum did it and that was hers. She, you know, so I mean, I, I would say... I grew up in a house can, like that as well. So <laughs> having an input into what, how do we change the environment that's comfortable. But I also think maybe it's about talking to, um, it's talking to extended family or friends and just I know a lot of parents and carers will feel anxious about oh if I'm going visiting this relative and my child is dysregulated and can't cope and has a meltdown you know how am I going to cope with that in this restaurant in this grotto in this family so it's about just telling people and informing people um, a very good friend of mine who's bringing up her grandson with um ADHD and autism and I remember one of the first times that um, I went round to her house and she just said um, look he'll come down from his room and say hello and he'll stay as long as he wants and that's absolutely fine he's not being rude it's just that the the, the what we have in our household is you know he, he gets overwhelmed with new people different people in the house sometimes especially groups of people and the noise and all of that and the expectation of we're all going to be jolly and happy and talk to each other and he said he finds that overwhelming and so it's yeah. absolutely fine and she just said it in such a matter-of-fact business-like way that there was no oh you know please I've got to tell I've got to share this with you uh, you know uh, please could you help me it was just this is what we do in this yeah. house and that's absolutely fine and it obviously I understood why she was saying that but I imagine that she would she would explain why in that kind of very very clear way as well my child's not being rude um you know yeah. they they're just that's what works for them in this in, in this situation and then it's about other people you know you can't control other people but you'd hope then that people just understand that when take it on that that's the way it is sort of thing yes absolutely yeah, yeah. i think it's that appreciation as well that it's it's our house it's our safe space and, and, you know, in order to feel safe, these are the things that we do. Yeah. Um, and explaining it in that way, that actually, it's that classic, you know, our house, our rules yeah. sort of thing, isn't it? This is how we work in, in this house in order to make things uh, feel comfortable and, and okay. Yeah. And, and some of the rituals that we've got around Christmas, you know, that uh, I always remember um, she was telling me that when he was quite young, um, when people would buy presents and everyone would stood, be stood around and everyone would be opening the presents, he, of course, would be saying, I don't like it. I don't want this. I, I never asked for this, you know, and upsetting some of his relatives yeah. who spent money on these presents. And so what they what they decided to do, what they developed was that that wasn't the ritual yeah. in their house. We didn't all open presents together at the same time. He was given presents and was allowed to say thank you uh, or sorry said thank you and then would take his presents to his room yeah. and would open them on his own but also she's very very good at emailing you about this time of year saying buy him this yeah so there's no so there's yeah. no surprise you I know, don't like opening presents no, in front no of discussion. people. I feel uncomfortable about that. And do you know what? When when you think about that, the the expectation of sitting and opening a present, the social expectation, yeah. kind of that's really and heavy. everybody looking yeah, at you. I, yeah, I really find that's that hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially and if you then, don't and like then it. it. <laughs> then if you don't like it, for someone with autism, then to to have to then pretend, pretend can when be there quite is challenging. No pretend, is there? You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, there's some real good stuff there. I think that people will find really, really useful. Moving on to our next question, we know, like any, uh, like with any school holidays, December. We've just been touching on it then can be a fantastic period of time for family to take some time and create some special memories together. Um, so what would be your top tips on making the most or the best of that time together? I think Colin's point about preparation, yeah. planning, it's key, the questions, it? what do you want to do with your time? You know, I think for me, a, a big believer in negotiating time as well, particularly with our teenagers who, as Colin touched on it before, you know, teenagers, the holiday time is often time to be together as families. But actually, if you're 15 and you don't want to particularly spend time with mum and dad or your younger siblings, you just want a bit of quiet time, just having the opportunity to negotiate. You know, I, I've worked with families where they've said, right, that day, is your day you can do what you like with that day or you can do what you like with that half day but in that evening this is what we need to do as a family or this is the expectation at this point in your holiday time yeah so it's around like negotiating look we will i will allow this for you and give you lots of opportunities to have your downtime and your downtime for yourself but there are going to be things within the holidays that we, that we kind of need to do as yeah. a family as well and it's just about that give and take within the conversation, um, and that actually we've all got an option, and we've all got we've all got our thoughts and opinions on what we want to be doing as well, and, and giving access to those um, options yeah. too. And, and yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, Emma. And but then when you think about some of the events around Christmas, I always remember as a family visiting, visiting relatives meant that sitting around listening to the adults talk, and yeah. my mum used to line us up the three of us and say don't you dare speak don't you dare unless you spoke don't you dare ask for anything uh, don't, don't make any noise don't just you know and so for for a youngster who's neurodiverse that might be that might be very very difficult and and excruciatingly boring mm. to sit around and listen to so when we visit you know, it's about that preparation yeah. about saying to, to extended family, what can my child do yeah. when we visit you? And is there, are there activities and are there things that they can take with them, toys and games and stuff that would obviously, which a lot of families will do routinely. But, you know, it's about changing the visiting and not having not having that expectation. And parties, you know, with, with neurodiverse youngsters, especially children with ADHD, there should be opportunities for them to move and there should be opportunities for a bit of variety and a bit of pace and a bit, you know, and with children with autism in a party environment, there should be a, there should be a, a facility and an option for that child to go out yeah. of that space, remove themselves and make themselves and then come back in uh, to that situation. And that should be kind of acceptable. But again, that discussion with the wider family with, you know, if, you, if your child's been invited to a party, then it's talking to the you know the family that are running that party and just saying look this is this is my child this is what he or she's like this is what they might need in this party yeah. can it happen can that happen you know and, and supporting other families if they've you know um one of those things we hear all the time isn't it about neurodiverse children not being invited sometimes mm -hmm. i think maybe parents and carers need to give other 
parents a little bit of information yeah. and a bit of support. Well, this is what you can do. It doesn't. It's not rocket science. It's not going to ruin your party, but it would really, really help my child to be included in, yeah. in that event. Yeah, and I was speaking to somebody not so long ago who was saying, you know, it's about um, making things work for for the child, isn't it? So in terms of parties and whatnot, you know, if they have been invited to the party but say they're anxious about going and almost to the point where they don't want to go, maybe it's that the joy is in maybe them just go in and you know maybe at Christmas time they might just drop the presents off and then come away from it if they're in a position to be able to do it so it's about you know it might not be the full full party but just to have had that that little bit of involvement in it makes them feel included but not anxious about it sort of thing so yeah and also about just having these open conversations and, and clear communication between adults about expectations and allowances and, and things like that as well, I guess. Yes, I'm, uh, this isn't just the old drama teacher in me talking here, Claire. But <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 I'm obsessed with rituals. I think rituals are really important. And I think if if anybody listening to this now is thinking, well, what can I do now? Yeah. My child's now twelve and thirteen, and they're not like they were when they were nine and ten. It's just remembering what the the times that your child's really enjoyed Christmas when they've been really really happy, yeah. and you know your child, and you were, you know, and thinking right. Let's remember those times. Let's think about how we can maybe repeat or in some cases adapt and develop those and they become those rituals that we we have alternative rituals you know you know there's no rule book for Christmas Christmas can be whatever it is and and this idea also and I don't know if if people are going to switch off the podcast at this point (laughs) but it's also fine um because I know lots of people who don't like Christmas and it's that's kind of okay and it's I know and if your child's not that into it I love the the time between Christmas and New Year because there's that little space that is as good for me as Christmas Day and New Year's Eve as well so it's about creating your own unique family rituals and that go on and on every year and of course be ready for your child at 14 to say don't want to do that anymore and that's fine that's normal it's an yeah. actual part of adolescence but it can be a time you know that as we you, you know emma was saying before is about what's really special for your child at this time of year and also all of the anxieties when when they start to talk like this if you say no but we're going to be doing this remember this, yeah. this remember you love you love this last year we're going to be doing this and we're going to be doing this okay yeah i really like that idea and i think often often christmas is based on kind of what what everybody else is doing it's all based on well, i feel i should do yeah. this because the family yes. down the road is yeah. doing that or my sister's doing that or other other family members are doing this and actually sometimes just asking your question asking yourself the question who am i doing this for yeah you know so kind of actually if i'm going yeah. to an event where actually it's going to overwhelm us as a family or it's going to overwhelm my child is it worth often it? when our children are overwhelmed we're overwhelmed yeah so sometimes just posing the question who am i doing this for yeah if it's for the benefit of us as a family or for, for my child then let's do it um, and it might be that you know as we've touched on just some of those um, kind of soft touches when it comes to attending parties just going for a small amount of time mm. there is a social benefit there and that can be really helpful but actually being there for the whole time if it's going to overwhelm us then who will we do it yeah. for and that sometimes just a good question to ask yourself um and if it feels like it's not necessarily the the you're at your the answer to that question is not always we're doing it for us and for us our own circumstances or because we feel we we should do it you know sort of thing yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've, I've always used um, the phrase, we, we often use words like should, or well, I should do it because it's Christmas, or I should do it because I've been asked to. Actually, if you just change the language and do, I could do it because it's Christmas, or I could do it because it's family, the term could helps it to feel a little bit like I could, but I also could. Yeah. There is There's another option there, could. isn't there, with the could, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. With should, it puts more yeah. pressure. That leads in very nicely to our next question, actually, which I think is, for me, I I think it's quite an important one. Um, You know, as parents, we often feel that pressure to make things perfect, which can put even more stress on a situation. And, you know, that anxiety can only be further amplified at this sort of time of year, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's really important for parents and carers to be kind to themselves to not feel guilty about things. Um, And so can you guys offer any guidance on how adults can look after themselves over what can be such an intense period of time for them? I think um, it comes back to the idea of preparation before this, doesn't it? I was, every year my sister has bought all her presents by August and I was laughing. Well, that's organised that, yeah. uh, Yeah, and... I think when I was a young, when I was uh, I was a teacher from as I said I was a teacher and when I was a young teacher and I didn't have a lot of money I would wait until I got paid in December which was usually something like the twentieth or twenty first <laughs> of December and then I'd have <laughs> then I'd have to buy Christmas you know um, like this but I, I, if you can and I know and this is impossible for everyone is just to you know stagger it gradually and build build up to it um, especially the kind of you know the present buying and the yeah. the kind of organization of that is just give yourself as much of a lead in as possible and I know that's easy to say uh, me sat in this office in Liverpool but you know if you can do that is just stagger it as much as possible but also just to really reinforce what Emma was saying a minute ago you know why are we doing things you have to take time for yourself and I, I always think of that saying about you know when you when you get on an aeroplane and they say put your mask on first before you put anybody else's mask on yeah. I always think about that you know if you're exhausted if you're harassed you know you're going to be no good there for your for your son or daughter who might be needing your support at that time so take time take time for yourself and I I I always used to say this when I when I train teachers particularly and you say it's so busy you know the the holiday that you come back in January and you're more tired than when you finished Yes, absolutely. So, you know, uh, however much time you've got off, anybody listening to this, whatever much time you've got off this year, you know, is what, where are you carving out of that time? Just time for yourself. You know, who can you, who can, if you can, who can you give your children to, if that's possible? It's not always possible, of course. But, you know, if you can, you just do something very, very relaxing. What what do you do to self-carve yourself? What is your go-to activities that really relax I love um when I'm off is just you know is switching the phone off switching the telly off and just having a few hours just reading quiet because I very very rarely get the chance to do that that's a real uh, that's a real way that I calm down so what do you do within that and can you make it happen and I know that there's absolute challenges with this especially when you've got neurodiverse children who might need a lot of support day to day but at least to consider it and give yourself that lead into it. Yeah, 
I, I totally agree, Colin. And I also think we, you know, we use the word perfect, you know, uh, to have a perfect Christmas. Sometimes we need to redefine what we mean by perfect. Yeah. You know, perfect to one family is having everybody around the house, it being really, really busy, um, lots of lots of things happening. Perfect to another family might just be a really quiet time, yeah. time together. Uh, without those kind of um, social expectations being put on us. So it's about what's your perfect mm. for your for your family. And actually, sometimes pressure comes with the word perfect. I think well. absolutely, yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking about food then as well, because um, it's, uh, it's coming up to lunchtime and I'm a bit hungry. But thinking about all the, the kind of Christmas-specific foods that yeah. there are, and there should be no pressure should the, to, to, um, to serve any dish that your child you know, is finding difficulty with or has a set, you know, we know that we know that sensory sensitivities for children yeah. with autism, food aversions, you know, difficulties around that is, is challenging and with ADHD and other neurodevelopmental uh, conditions. So there should be no pressure to serve any food that you know is going to be problematic for your child. I think that's a really big point, actually, Colin. And I, 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 you've just reminded me of a conversation that I had with a parent last week at one of the conferences. Um, and she said that Christmas Day, her child has really restricted diet. So Christmas Day is whatever you eat, we'll just have a little bit more of it. And it's kind of you can have as many chicken nuggets and chips as you want because it's Christmas Day. Yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. we're going to do. So it's not about pigs in blankets. It's not about having tons of gravy or um, other things. It's just about let's just enjoy what you enjoy on this day. And I think that's really important, actually, because the pressure around food and the pressure around tasting new things, actually. Pigs in blankets, that you know, I love them. I do. I love pig in but is it worth the chaos? Yeah, yeah, me too. Who doesn't love them? You just want, it, it's about finding the joy in the day, isn't it? And the joy around the other things. And if what's going to make them ha- happy and most joyful is having the chicken nuggets, then let's go for yeah. it, I think. Um, yeah. Okay, so moving on now. During any school holidays, um, families tend to see, we've already spoken about this a little bit, but they do tend to see extended family members. But particularly during that December break when there's family gatherings, there's social occasions and whatnot. Um, And so have you got any advice or strategies for managing those family occasions? What I've been thinking about, Claire, is since the the, uh, COVID times, what we've learned from COVID is technology can be a really good, yeah. uh, help, can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and actually for some families, as family catch up, the, yes, there's face-to-face and, you know, there is there is strength in face-to-face, but actually having a virtual Zoom catch up can be just as important, yeah. you know. And I've, I've worked with one family and they've said, we know that we need, we've got lots of family, they're from a very big family. There's lots of people that we want to see at Christmas. It's just hard, But actually going it? and doing all of that visiting. Yeah, so just um, they've scheduled in Zoom catch-ups. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> And the child has said, actually, yeah, and actually that Zoom, I can do it from the comfort of my own home. This uh, Their little boy's got a gaming chair. He's happy to sit in his gaming chair and have a quick 10-minute chat on Zoom. And then the pressure's been taken yeah. off. Um, so it's thinking, rethinking, I suppose, how we how we engage in those family um, uh, kind of occasions too. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to extend that as well, Emma, and think about activity, uh, because we, we talked about it before, about this concept of visiting and parties, which is often, you know, um, all around talk, especially when the, the older your son or daughter gets. It's about people talking to each other. And we know that um, some young uh, youngsters with neurodiversity um, will 
will find that difficult yeah. and challenging, that expectation of talking. However, you're managing the expectations of your family who want to connect with your son or daughter, maybe aunties and uncles, grandparents that they don't see very much. So encourage, I think that, you know, encourage your relatives to say, well, you know, if he brings a game, you could play the game with him. He loves kicking a football. So you could go outside and kick a football with him or she'll love to show you this, you know, X, Y, and Z. So sit and listen to that and let her show you her drawings yeah. or her artwork, wherever it is, and use that as the vehicle to connect with the youngster. Yeah. Don't think, don't put the pressure on the yeah. youngster. You've got to sit, you've got to look me in the face and have this conversation. And we maybe haven't seen each other for a couple of months uh, because we live in different parts. You know, so do it through activity, walk and talk, of course, physical activity. Also, just thinking about Christmas, we can all eat and drink too much at Christmas, can't we? And Christmas can be quite sedentary, can be cut off sitting around. Is yeah. what opportunities kids with ADHD absolutely need this? You know, is what opportunities are there for your child to be active? You know, can you get them running on Christmas Day at all, getting them really moving? Um, can you fit in opportunities for them to do physical activity? Okay, so. Um, on this podcast and like with any of our support materials we are always really keen to offer practical support strategies you know that parents can almost pack into a toolbox and take away um, and put into practice at home so what would your suggestions be for helping children and young people to self-regulate and stay calm over the winter break I, th I think is is embracing the idea of it's a holiday, uh, as well as it being the Christmas celebration. It's a holiday from from school, so making sure that that your son or daughter, especially if they're kind of pre you know preteens or teens, and as you were talking about right at the beginning, Claire, that there's a lot of pressure, isn't there? Some schools will do exams in yeah. the run up. Some schools will actually do it in January. So it's making yeah. sure that your child understands that this is a holiday and teaching your child what the word recreation means that it's not just about developing your interests etc and you know but it's about recreating yourself and recharging your batteries yeah. so it's about making sure your child switches off i get quite worried um about perfectionism emma um, mentioned it before with uh, with neurodiverse young people particularly teenagers where that you know they mask so much in school they want to get everything right they don't want to make a foot wrong and so yeah. when do they switch off and also and one of the things that i'm absolutely passionate about is that one of the best things that you can do as a parent for a child who's, who's neurodiverse who might have lots and lots of challenges in school might find parts of school um, quite difficult might have quite low self-esteem in some areas and be be up upon themselves is about what your child into what is their passion what is their thing yeah. that they love and and ma make sure within all of the busyness of this that they get the chance to do that you know you talk about um a uh, immersive absorbing interests you know for ch children with autism and you think well that's going to be a problem this Christmas because we haven't got the time for this but just recognizing mm. that this can be a huge source of support and comfort and if for your son or daughter in that very busy um, confusing world and what can you do you know and I know that there'll be um, parents and carers listening to this who have got their child doing all kinds 
especially in the evenings and at weekends yeah. in school holidays, involved in lots of different organisations uh, and clubs. Let's not lose that over this, this Christmas period to keep your child connected with what they are really good at and share it. Tell your relatives so that they can ask the t- your son or daughter about this yeah. so they can all join in. I call it building competencies. They can all join in with helping. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. The whole family can support this child's particular interests and skills. If the more confident you feel about some part of your life, the more resilient you can be about the bits that you find difficult. I think I think a big, big thing is prioritising self-regulation as well and having and actually recognising that this is going to be a it is a high stress time of year for everybody. Normalising that. I think that's really important. I think something that we tend to do is um, and it's just because of that. We should be we should be able to manage this. It's Christmas. It should be a lovely time. It should be a happy time. Actually, Christmas can be really overwhelming time. So so actually making sure that self-regulation is a priority for every single person and self-regulation for a child or young person might just be having a space in the family home that's quiet that's dark that's away from all the flashing lights and the lights of Christmas that actually when we've come in from a really busy day there's a space to go to to just kind of desensitize from the kind of everything that's been happening around them and for some children, you know, self-regulation, it might be, you know, quiet spaces within the home. For other children, it might be getting out and doing some yeah. really um, heavy work, resistance activities as well. Yeah. I work with families. And actually, self-regulation is being able to have more access or a, a, a additional opportunities to getting down to the park and using the climbing equipment, um, you're going on walks where you're particularly focusing on kind of stretching and crawling and things like that where a child is getting that that kind of physical need met in order to help them to self-regulate as well yeah and for me it's let's normalize the fact that christmas is stressful yeah (laughs) and that actually we are all feeling it yes yeah what do we need to make that stress manageable for everybody you know, if it's a little bit of downtime, if it's a big long walk, <laughs> what you need in order to prioritise yourself. Yeah, like, I think it's sometimes nice to include a little bit of personal experience um, or a story of someone you may have worked with or supported that might be useful for our families listening today. Um, so when we look at our topic, have you got any experiences um, or stories that you would be happy to share? One family that I worked with, and it was a number of years ago, and I'll never forget it. The mum came up to me and she was talking about Christmas and she was talking about kind of her concerns and her worries about Christmas. And we were sat in a group of, of a group of parents and one of the other mums kind of jumped in and said, can I just say something? And, I, and we were like, yeah, of course you can. And she said, Christmas day for me, I shut the front door and we don't do anything. And actually, when this mum said this in front of a group of parents, the, the relief that came over everybody's faces around, actually, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. So for me, I learned a massive amount from from that that conversation with that group of parents around, actually, top tips for me or kind of experiences that I've had is that for this family, they just did what was right for them. Yeah. And actually, to do what's right for you and what's right for your children on Christmas Day, that that's okay so yeah for, for, for an experience from from that perspective shutting the door and it just being us as a family and it being um, okay was, to was do something that. that worked really well for them yeah that's fantastic i like that yeah, one Emma. absolutely the, the the example i was thinking is, is almost the exact opposite of that um, because uh, i have a, f- a friend who's got um, a son who's autistic and one of the things that that um 
they did because when he was quite young he struggled a lot with all of the issues that we've talked about uh, in this podcast mm-hmm. so far about all the the overwhelming the sensory nature of it the the kind of the, the pace the too much and so one year they they thought well let's do something completely different so they now go and volunteer um at uh you know oh, okay. where um, the charity that um that cooks christmas dinner for homeless people um and he this is the thing that he looks forward to uh, because um he's got a very practical organizational role within this in the sense that yeah. he takes the names and stuff and uh and organizes where people sit and it's just completely almost christmas is you know taken away for all of so much of that has been taken away there's a very focused activity and job to do and the and she said the older he gets he's beginning to appreciate that actually you know this is very meaningful for the people that go there they really enjoy it because there's yeah. christmas songs and all of this and, and and presents and all that and he helps with the organization of that very very much and it takes any pressure away from him being the center of attention at all it's yeah. about him giving and of course you know, and that's become their ritual that really works for them that's lovely i love that story that is that is such <coughs> a nice thing um okay then so finally our last point today i like to always try and finish and we sort of actually just finished on a bit of a positive thing but i'll go in for this one anyway just in case you've got any more to, to add um, so I always like to finish on a positive message, a final thought or a top tip um, from our speakers. So as we close our podcast today, what would your final message be for our listeners? I think if I was to um, consider a final thought uh, as a message in this uh, podcast, of course, I would want to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. But whatever that is, and even if that is not really doing Christmas, that is absolutely fine. That is your Merry Christmas. Um, But I think just that really the top three considerations uh, to think about and how to balance Christmas is obviously take time for yourself. Look after yourself within this. As you know, you've had uh, it's a a demanding role, isn't it, to be a parent or a carer? of a neurodiverse child we absolutely understand this at the foundation and in the Witherslack group we really do so take some time for yourself that you really like to do and balance this with you know creating activities and experiences for your child that works for them that are not prescribed by any kind of uh, belief about what we must do at Christmas what we must you know how we must behave how we must act what we must eat and drink etc is look for experiences that give your uh, child joy and then look as I mentioned before for what experiences we can have as a family that are that become those rituals your rituals your family Christmas that uh, that go forward each and every year until of course your child gets fed up of it which of course they could do but my best wishes for you from uh, from everyone at the ADHD foundation is all the best And that just about brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to say a massive thank you to Emma and Colin for their time and for providing some brilliant and really practical advice to help us all during the winter holidays. If you would like to find out more about the support resources we have available or sign up to our seasonal support pack, please visit our website withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash resources. So thank you once again to Colin and Emma, and I hope you can all join us on another podcast in the future. So bye for now.